Welcome to episode 93 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded November 15th, 2020. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and platoon captain, and also a volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so. If you want to help support the show, keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirts and the tactical Velcro patch at prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if it's just a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we are uh, grappling with some content for you this episode. Uh, that was a low blow, Ian. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a three out of ten, buddy. <laughs> okay, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news. Then we'll let you know what we've done for preparedness since our last episode, and then we'll get to the main topic, which is the utility of martial arts in preparedness. News time. Rather topical at this exact moment while we're dealing with windstorms through most of Ontario. Uh, according to Hydro One, approximately 15% of, of Ontario is without power at the time of recording. That includes where Eric is right now and thus not able to be, to get, be with us tonight. So he says. Yeah, that's his excuse anyways. All right. Uh, on the topic of Hydro, BC Hydro says to be prepared. It's like they're listening to the show or something. Um, yeah, so I guess they're just saying it is the time of season that people should be prepared to to live without power for a few hours at a time or days. So there's an article in the CBC, I put the uh, show notes in there, and it just says, yeah, start uh, taking care of your own business because BC Hydro can't fix things instantly. Well, it's a good article. Um, now, this one's going to get a little bit heated, I'm sure. Um, I, I'm going to break up my inner Alex Jones for a second. Um, Canadian forces are being put to work on propaganda on the citizenry of Canada. Um, They've done some experiments in Nova Scotia to control people's emotions and fear levels. I don't know if you heard about this, Hughes. News to me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, article from the Ottawa Citizen. So, I mean, as much as I like to talk about Alex Jones, it's actually it's mainstream media. So, Ottawa Citizen put an article saying, hey, um, they put out a bunch of letters to some people in Nova Scotia about wolves being in the area because they were supposedly had released some wolves. Yeah. Okay. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and there was wolves on the loose, and it turns out it was complete BS. However, they went out of their way to put some speakers into the bush to broadcast wolf noises to see how people would react. And so it turns out that basically orders have come on down from on high, read into that what you will, that as it started General Vance to amp up his propaganda tools and start training his officers in how to control citizenry, at home and abroad. And they mentioned at home twice in the article, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I remember, because um, this was just a few weeks ago, I think, where there was, yeah. and it's actually only about an hour from me, and I think at first they were blaming it, like when the when the, when it first came out, they were blaming it on a reserve officer that basically did this on his own. Um, and then when the when the various news outlets started to take a look into it a little bit deeper, that's when the Canadian forces came out and said, "Ah, you got us. It's it's actually us. <laughs> you know, like we just tried to throw some reserve officer under the bus, but now it's actually us doing that stuff." So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was interesting to see them doing about face literally on it. So it was very interesting because I guess they put out this letter saying there was you know uh, Nova Scotia, I guess conservation officers or or something along those lines, or you know natural resources, and they used the header and, and the name and number of a resources officer and when people start phoning this guy he's like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> and then so they had actually like usurped the guy's name and title and everything else and they'd gone out of their way to to kind of cover their tracks at first but i find it interesting the fact that they're starting to uh exceed their mandate which is usually close them and, and kill the enemy overseas but anyway that's my moment for the day yeah. anyways uh on interesting topic of bugging out, uh, I put the article on how in the Garno Karabakh they had that ceasefire happen with the Armenians and the Azerbaijanis, and the Armenians had to give up some territory. So, uh, interesting video from Global TV that the uh, Armenians had to give up their houses and all sorts of infrastructure and stuff to their mortal enemies. They just had to go scorched earth on it, and so they had basically twelve hours notice to pack up everything they wanted to take with them, and then they just burnt down everything they left behind which was 
interesting on many levels. But yeah, uh, a real life bug out for sure, and they have twelve hours to never come back. Can't say I blame them. I mean, she told me I had to leave my house forever. I'm not going to leave your house. I'm going to leave your foundation. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Yeah, they've just been like the whipping boy in in, in territorial disputes this little area for for I guess generations. And uh, so these guys are finally just probably had their fill and said, "Well, if I can't have it, the chest no, beat, just, yeah, just where it gets flipped up and that's it." So I I've been listening. I, I have a couple of friends who are Armenian. I've been listening to their um, or watching their um, take on. Um, the Azerbaijani and Turkish advances on Armenian territory, and, and depending on who you listen to, and, and um, I guess which side you think is right, um, it sounds a lot like the uh, the Israeli-Palestinian dispute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it, they're yeah they're at a point where like if I can't have it, nobody can, and we're gonna we're gonna leave you absolutely nothing to work with. So. I mean, I can't say I blame them at this point. They've been they've been going through this for, as you said, generations. It's been decades at least, and yeah. uh, probably in the centuries if you dig back far enough. So, good for them. So if it's going, been going on that long. It should pretty much be solved by next week, then, right? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's, like, it's got to be over soon. Yeah. I mean, I'm Israel, sure Israel, Israel and Palestine have, have been, you know, they've been quiet for like a week now, haven't they? So, yeah, that's yeah. all the last 40s, right? I mean, that's been uh, 67, it? 67, okay. Yeah. Oh, a uh, quick note from Jesse DePlante. Uh, sorry, just Jesse there. But, uh, anyways, he um, mentioned that I guess we just supported him that information for the ham radio license uh, study guide, and he passed with honors. So, uh, Mr. Jesse, congratulations. That's pretty awesome. I think that me is the only panelist that hasn't gotten their ham radio license yet. Yet. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get it sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> that's all I had for, uh, for news on my end. Uh, for me, another COVID one, uh, COVID-19 continues to rise in Canada as we approach uh, 300,000 cases. Now this seems like a bit of a drop in the bucket, um, because the U S is recording what hundred thousand cases a day. Sometimes I think more than that. Uh, but yeah, we're at 300,000 cases. Some provinces are worse than other, um, looking at you, Ontario, Quebec, um, and out West as well, Manitoba and whatnot. But yeah, so this is a, obviously a number we, we knew was probably going to be climbing. We knew we were going to get into a wave two, um, still alarming, uh, but we're seeing, we're not seeing the same amount of hospitalizations and deaths and all that kind of stuff. So if there's a silver lining, I guess that's it. Um, but yeah. It means that almost 1% of the population has a cold. Right. But one thing we've noticed, I mean, and maybe it's just, you know, when the incre- like I've got three young kids and, and my wife's a teacher. So typically the first couple of weeks of school, um, September, October, uh, my wife is sick. Kids are sick. I'm sick. Um, knock on wood in last basically 10 weeks since school started, none of us had had a cold or anything. So is that, you know, the, probably playing into the amount of increased um, social distancing and mask wearing and sanitizing and everything. But at the same time, I question you know, by protecting your immune systems that much, are we really doing ourselves a favor um, rather than just catching a cold and letting your immune system just deal with it, with it, right? So I guess time, time, time will tell if we're doing ourselves a favor or not. But well, well, and I, they go ahead, there are there are a million there there are a million arguments on both on both sides. One being, um, I think that you know, if, if we take the if we take the the, the the freedom concept out of this for for right now, because that's an argument that will never be solved. The other tolls that we're taking on our bodies by not being able to exercise, by not being able to socialize, right? Our mental and physical health in other in other ways is deteriorating rapidly. Uh, we've seen a huge spike in um, in you know mental health emergencies over the last few over the last few months. Um, so yes, maybe we're we're slowing down the spread of the common cold that doesn't really hurt a lot of people, but at what cost? Right. And so that's and that's I think that's one of those things that we're we're going to have to look back and decide, you know, in in six months or a year, decide whether or not um, we made the right choice. And and it, it's it's I, I don't envy the people that are making those decisions because I don't think there's one right answer. No, and at the same time, I think this entire pandemic and the mental health aspect and everything is going to be studied for decades to come, generations. I would hope so. Well, yeah, especially when they've been keeping track of these these case counts, like it's a sports stat. And honestly, like when you should be concentrating on like hospitalizations, deaths, comorbidities and other stuff, rather than just a bland case count, which 
Right? We, we said the vast majority of people aren't even showing symptoms, right? They are too, but at the same time, I mean, if you're in journalism, sensationalism sells. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's more sensational to say, you know, Ontario has 1,600 cases rather than Ontario has four deaths. I mean, yeah. how many people die in Ontario on, on an average day of gang shootings, right? Uh, but if they, if they actually focused on the deaths, they'd actually realize, compared to other means of death, how small of a deal it is and so they'd probably be less likely to get fearful less likely to get easily controlled by propaganda machines of the military and so on and so on you know <laughs> and, and the, the other important thing to realize about this is like there are a lot of good reasons to be socially distant there are a lot of good reasons to wash your hands there are a lot of really good reasons to clean contact surfaces regularly and unfortunately we didn't do that until we had to so Listen, I fully support other humans being six feet away from me or more. I, all the time. I am I'm happy if that stays. <laughs> all the time. Yep. <laughs> away from well, me. and people actually washing their hands, you know, after the bathroom when they didn't before and stuff like that. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think those are the things that we should be focusing on. Um, and then I think it's also really important to leave um, – leave sick people alone, right? People who are at high risk, the, 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 the old immunocompromised. The hospital. Yeah. Immunocompromised people who are in the hospital. I think it's an excellent idea That's, that we should be screening people there on a constant basis. Um, I have clients that are excavators working outside and we have to t take their temperatures every morning because we have to track whether or not they have, they may or may not have, ha have a fever. When these are guys that like, they work outside. They're away from each other. Yeah, that something like, doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it it just does. It just doesn't. It doesn't compute. Like there there's there are places and times to be super to be hyper vigilant. And there are places and times where we should be washing our hands and not coughing on each other. And we should be doing that anyways. So let's let's focus on that and and move on. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Cool. Uh, moving on to uh, what we've done lately for preps. I guess you've got some news, Hughes. I do. Um, so I uh, a lot of what I did was uh, this past week is organize the shed and kind of decluttered it. Um, there was a lot of a lot of stuff that had to go. So some stuff I tried to get a few bucks for. Other stuff I just kind of gave away for free. Um, and then as well, this uh, this past Tuesday, I found out it was the grand prize winner, I guess, of the Dewalt Tough in the North uh, contest, which is uh, $10,000 in Dewalt tools. So very happy about that. Um, so oh, I've been kidding. basically, I've, uh, I've already, I mean, by the time they reached out to me, I already had a list of what I wanted. And they said up into, you know, they said about $10,000. They said about, and I got my total to $9,999.80. So it's 20 cents off there. Um, <laughs> Throw in another battery for good measure, see if they approve it. <laughs> yeah, so just give, give me a sticker or something to make it like 10,000 even. But no, yeah, no, throw in another battery. Get over, get over the market. <laughs> I mean, worst case, you, don't, you get one less battery. So I, I think what I'm going to do with that is I, obviously I'm going to be keeping some tools as redundancies, right? So I do have, um, I mean, you know, I probably have two sawzalls right now. I'll keep some as a re like it's like a backup because you know one is. Hey, you have to call it a reciprocating saw. If it's not if it's not Milwaukee, it's not a sawzall. Okay, fine. Uh, but yeah, so I'll uh, yeah, so and and I got a bunch of other stuff too that I wouldn't typically go out and spend money money on like multi chargers, which allows me to keep, I believe it's four or eight batteries in a charger, um, power banks, scene lights, work lights. I just I looked at all the tools I wanted, and then I still had a couple couple grand to spend. I'm like, I might as well get stuff I wouldn't buy because I just I got to spend this money anyway. So that's the big news for me. And then other ongoing work is the ATV is basically completely apart right now, um, redoing all of the suspension, steering, driveline components, things like bearings, bushing, ball joints. Um, this ATV I've got is about 9,000 kilometers on it. And if for every kilometer, it's like 100 hard kilometers on a truck, right? This thing was was road hard. And uh, yeah, so uh, I'm showing it some love and spending a few hundred dollars and replacing all those components and hopefully putting a bit more life into it. Uh, but that's what I've been up to over the last week or so. Nice. Cool. Uh, speaking of putting more life into stuff, so uh, my daughter drives a little white Volvo. It's got four hundred thousand kilometers on it. <laughs> but uh, so we we put it up on the uh, the uh, hoist the other day, and uh, just a good quick check on it to make sure it's still gonna you know survive the winter. And we put the winter tires on the daughter's car, so that was good. Um, it was pretty uh, pretty good to get that out of the way before the snow flies in the local area when it does. Uh, did a bit of a feed run couple CGM deals of course and most of it's small parts right now there's a lot of small parts flying around the country everybody's trying to build uh, new receiver sets for these non-restricted stuff that's uh, not been banned um, did a little armed hiking also known as hunting 
let's see here. Currently working as we speak, so unfortunately I'm not able to be home right now for the next few days. Um, Andrew, Allen, and I were pleased enough to uh, get to interview Glenn Tate of the 290 days, 299 days book series uh, of that particular fame on the uh, OG CPP podcast, so Canadian Patriot podcast. Uh, and we'll have more to discuss on that hopefully later. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a, he was a really down to earth, super cool guy. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see him again. That's it. Awesome. Um, I I did some worked on some renovations. You can see in my background, I've still got half of a wall apart, and um, this is going to be an ongoing project. I'm hoping it'll be done by Christmas at this point. Fingers crossed. Um, Mostly what I worked on this week was um, a new course for bypassing locks. This is geared towards first responders, but I'm sure um, people who are not first responders would also enjoy some of this training. So we've got, I got some new lock parts, some new, some new toys. Um, there's more to come on this, of course, but uh, we've been working with a, with a company to design a few new tools and come up with some great ways to get through doors without, uh, without leaving a mark. So that's been my week. Awesome. Cool. All right, so I guess time to move on to the main topic. So uh, martial arts, here we go. I guess we've been trying to talk about this for quite a while, but uh, I don't just kept putting it off for, for various other reasons. So why are we chatting about this? Um, in your guys' mind, what do martial arts provide for the average prepper? Well, I'll throw it out here before anything else. Fat guys are harder to kidnap. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> also... Much harder to stab, much harder to stab a fat guy and, and and hit anything vital. You need a really big knife for that. So, um, those are the advantages of not being involved in martial arts. Oh yeah, um, so, imagine somebody sneaking up behind you, trying to give you the barrack, lift you into a van, and you're like, "Stranger danger." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny enough. I I, I had a, an instructor. It was a it was a defensive tactics course way back in the time when I did that did such a thing, and he was a uh, he was a military police uh, sergeant in Borden. And he uh, um, he actually picked me up. I was a little bit heavier then than I am now. Uh, picked me up over over his shoulder and carried me across the room and threw me on the floor and said, "There, are you done with your showboating?" Because <laughs> I was I was being a bit of a dick and I really deserved it. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, and that's one of the things, right? It, it um, you know physical fitness. People who people who um, pick each other up and throw throw each other around uh, tend to be in pretty good shape. They tend to be fairly strong and have excellent cardio capacity. That's the big one is cardio capacity. Yeah, I think there's three that come to mind. I mean, the first one would be physical fitness. So obviously, um, you know, anything you do when it comes to martial arts, some are a bit more um, physical than others. But I mean, you, you have that physical conditioning aspect. Um, and then I think the second one would be structure, right? So you're part of an organization. So most uh, martial arts, I believe, have like a paramilitary type um, structure or belt system where you basically have to rise through the ranks. And so you have that structure around it. You have the structure around the way you learn. You have the, you know, the instructors and all that kind of stuff. So that's another big piece of it. Um, and then uh, um, I had a third one, but it slipped my mind. Uh, well, and you got a good point there, though, too, with the with the rank structure. Basically, you, when you start out, you're all equally worthless, so to speak. <laughs> and yeah. it's a meritocracy. Like you put in the effort, and you actually do the, the do the things, and you rise up through the ranks. And there's just as many opportunities out there to become an instructor or to like you know you basically chart your own course after that, right? Right. So, uh, but physical fitness. I mean, we did a whole episode on that, the importance yeah. of physical fitness, right? So I got I got the third one. So the third one is basically, um, you know, how somebody says, you know, like what's what's the best camera you can take with you and it's like the best camera is the one you always have on you right mm -hmm. i mean i mean i'm not always going to have a ten thousand dollar dslr on me but i'm always going to have my phone on me hopefully right mm -hmm. um you know what's the best knife to carry the best knife is the one you always have on you it's just that kind of thing so you know what's the best defensive tool honestly it probably comes down to something like martial arts because obviously you know if i had a knife and somebody who's a martial arts expert didn't have a knife chances are he could take me down a lot more a lot quicker than I could with a knife, right? Well, and here's, uh, here's one thing I learned about about knife fighting. If you if you have a knife, you have one weapon, and you spend a lot of your effort focused on that one weapon, and not only retaining it but doing harm with it. If I don't have a knife, I have four weapons, five if I'm going to be nasty and headbutt. <laughs> yeah. If I don't have a knife, I have four weapons, and I don't have to worry about retaining them. Right. So but the same, yeah. 
No, at the same time, that's that's a good point because I mean, if you look at some martial arts, I think we lost that one. If you look at some martial arts like uh, Krav Maga, I think it is. Um, you know, it focuses on you know quick de-escalation, getting in and out of there, there quickly, not overexposing yourself. And um, you know, one of the big concepts of it is being able to disarm your opponent. So even if somebody had, you know, and when we're talking about um, somebody who has a handgun, like it's it's a lot easier to disarm somebody with a short-barreled. Um, weapon than it is with a long-barreled weapon, right? So um, if somebody has a handgun in your face, if they haven't pulled the trigger yet, somebody who's a martial arts expert, like in Krav Maga or something, could easily and quickly disarm you before you have an opportunity to do anything. And then not only do you lose the advantage, but you don't have martial arts, that person does, and you don't have a handgun anymore or a knife or anything like that, right? So I think there's a huge advantage there, for sure. Do you guys remember... uh was it Raiders of the Lost Ark? When, I think it was the second Indiana Jones movie, and they they go through that whole big fight scene, and he beats off a bunch of guys, beats away a bunch of guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's got spicy fast. <laughs> and then there's that there's that last guy that like jumps out, and, and he's standing in the standing in the street, and he does the whole big like like big fancy sword flailing technique and then and he just kind of looks at him and shoots him and walks away yeah well actually there's a funny story behind that too in real life so i guess that sword guy had practiced for weeks choreography wise with harrison ford to do this big you know convoluted fight scene throughout that whole square and i guess uh harrison ford just said to the director at the time he's like listen i honestly if i was this character i would just shoot him <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing about that i remember yeah. hearing that he was really sick that day yeah and so he just like he didn't have it in him, so he just shot him and walked like you know, yeah. and walked away. Uh, so they tried that one once, and I guess that was the scene that we loved the most. So yeah, well, so and that's that's kind of what it comes, you know, what this is all going to come back to, and you know, all the all the uh, the the preppers out there that that um, have the opportunity to uh, to stay armed are going to say that that's their go-to. Cool, appreciate that. Um, ha- having it, having a you know, having the distance and the uh, the distance, the time, and the and the capacity to draw and fire is great, but if you don't have that, then you need a backup plan, mm-hmm. and that's where different different types of um, martial arts will help you. Yeah, no, I mean at the very least, they're going to provide discipline. So, I mean, for those of us that have problems getting off the couch and motivated and everything else, it's like if you know that you have to go every Wednesday evening or Monday, Wednesday, Friday evenings to go to martial arts, and if you don't show up, there's going to be some gentle social repercussions yeah it might actually give you you know install a sense of discipline and obviously a recognition of the rank structure and everything else it's going to give you a better mindset well, it's a hell of a lot of fun. yeah it is I mean, it's just it's just an absolute ton of fun so uh in addition to to your cardio capacity your strength uh it's going to build flexibility um depending on what you do i mean i've been i've been training in jujitsu for very short period of time um and then we got shut our, our school got shut down again or the, the city got shut down again and the school was encompassed but um you know i would come home from that sore bruised tired sweaty disgusting and couldn't wait to do it again tomorrow mm-hmm. um it's 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 a, it's a ton of fun it's a it's a hell of a workout um it, it's <laughs> There's nothing. There's there's no disadvantage to doing it. It's like it's like learning how to it's like learning how to shoot a, a handgun. You may never have to do it in real life. You may never need to rely on that to save your life. But there's no disadvantage to learning it, to how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you hit the the all hit though with the camaraderie aspect is like yeah you can't wait to do it again because you're having fun. You're getting into shape. Usually you're meeting some like-minded people uh, that you know that share similar interests as you, which mm-hmm. of course can lead into the whole mag group thing. Like people are Absolutely. seeking a mutual assistance group. But honestly, yeah, it's, you end up hanging out with some of the people that you do martial arts with quite a bit because you have the same mindset generally uh, as far as like self-advocacy. Yep. Well, in uh, infamous E in the chat here or in the live chat was uh, makes a really good point. Every it doesn't matter what style of martial arts you carry or you, you train in, um, they will all preach um, being aware of what's going on around you. Oh, absolutely. The best, the, the the easiest way to win a fight is to avoid it in the first place. Yeah, and every time I show my my hands in my pockets, I hear my martial arts instructor in my head still going, "What are your hands doing in your pockets?" That's yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, like, I won't do that again. That was a good point yeah. that you you brought up, though. Um, you know, the sense of community that you get from belonging to a group of like minded individuals and and being able to 
build friendships and all that kind of stuff. Because I mean, not not everyone like I've got the fire department, which to me is like a second family, a brotherhood, and all that kind of stuff. Some people don't have that that luxury, um, and you know, if you hate your job, and chances are you may not have that at work as well. But uh, being able to be part of something like this uh, could be extremely rewarding. Being able to help others and and have others help you as well. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's huge, right? And that, that plays into what you just said there, Alan, is that there's really no disadvantages um, to this. I mean, it's it's relatively low cost for the most part. You really don't have to buy anything other than your gi or um, depending on, on what type of martial art it is, you may not even need that. Um, and and yeah, there's there's no real downsides to, to it, I don't think so. Nope. Well, I, I can't think of anybody that's attended a martial arts course that hasn't come away with better self sense of self-confidence too. And you'll see a lot of people that show up super, super quiet mostly don't want to get involved and sit in the corner of the room and before you know it, like they're right in the middle of the room going, ah! Oh yeah. You know, before long, it doesn't take long at all. Usually, so the wallflowers come out and 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 you know the true personality comes out, which is great to see. I I saw it a bunch of times when we were doing crop there and back in Ontario. That uh, yeah, some people really you know came into their own. It was yeah. it was fascinating. So well, both, I mean, for my, me, like, uh, sorry, you you go ahead, Alan. Oh, I was gonna say both my kids went through uh, um, went through a. a, a <sighs> I don't like to I don't like to use the term mixed martial arts, but it was a, a blended art. Um, taught by a friend of mine, it was a, a combination of uh, uh, keto and kung fu and a couple of other kind of things thrown in. Um, my son, who is of course, he, he's one of those kids that leads with his head and loves hitting stuff with other stuff. Um, he took it really well. My daughter is not that person, but she is still she still enjoyed doing that, and she enjoyed. Um, she enjoyed learning how to take care of herself and you could see when we left those classes that like her you know her shoulders were a little bit further back her um her you know she was standing up a little bit straighter she was looking around more she was paying attention and she was just more confident in herself oh, that's good um freya brings up a good point here that uh martial arts is especially important for women and children who are more likely to be targeted by a uh, than a fully grown man um Fair enough. Uh, the best part about being a woman or a small child that knows martial arts is they tend to underestimate you, and then in which case it's like surprise. Mm -hmm. So uh, yep. that is a nice thing to have in your back pocket, as far as uh, and of course that leads to a little more self confidence in dubious situations and everything else is that you know something they don't, which is good. I think too. The other thing is that I don't think most people are exposed to um, fights. I mean, I mean, it's not like, I don't, you know, I, can't, I think it was probably when I was like in my teens that I last got into a fist fight or anything like that. So yeah. but the ability to learn a new skill and then put it into practice is huge. I mean, having that hands-on training, um, is where you get most of your knowledge and your skill set and you understand what your abilities are, what your limitations are. And I think, you know, a lot of the martial arts classes, it's just that it's showing you a skill and then being able to pair up with somebody else to try to scale out and see what your limitations are see um see see what you're capable of doing and uh, you know of course i can sit here and read about martial arts all day but unless i have somebody to practice it with and understand what my lim limitations are what i can and can't do um it's it's really hard to say well i've studied in martial arts because I, I read a book but without it being able to do the hands-on um it's i i don't think you're 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 gonna get as much out of it right so no well yeah but that's what i was gonna say that is the actual best reason to go join a martial arts is the actual practical application of these skills right yeah. i mean so uh you know usually when you get started with these martial arts class regardless of class i mean i think you mentioned it before Hughes as well it's like it usually starts with some sort of interest ceremony there's usually a you go to the history of the class they'll bring it up um they'll do always do a warm-up so you always that's where your physical exercise comes in because they, they don't want you like stretching and kicking and punching when you're like cold right so right. Um, you're gonna warm up you're gonna get like totally half exhausted when just when you think you can't go any further that's usually when they push you through and then start teaching the actual practical skills uh that that's where the the key benefit comes in right absolutely and then of course uh, as part of that you know uh self-confidence ceremony whatever camaraderie it's like they always do some sort of closing ceremony too no matter what it is i mean just as to kind of keep you all as a team right right and if you want to see i mean just how effective martial arts are i mean you you just have to look at things like the ufc or bellator mma i mean these are um these are people that have studied um martial arts for most of their lives for, for the most part right and the skill and the speed and the precision at which they can execute these man maneuvers and and tap some somebody out that's that's equally as as trained as they they are it's just amazing so it, it's brutal i mean 
the the Facebook group of for my for my school, we've got guys that you know they that's pretty well how they spend their time is uh, spend their free time is you know scrolling YouTube looking for the next cool the next cool takedown and you know I swear there's one video where this this guy like bent his knee backwards on itself and like let you know, put this guy in a shoulder lock and then the guy stood up and there he was hanging off this guy's shoulder with his knee backwards and then he you know tweaked his finger a little bit and all of a sudden he won and I just and it all happened it all takes place in you know three and a half or four seconds and you just have no idea how it happened until you break it down over and over and over again and uh, I look at it and go yeah I'll probably never do that but it's cool to watch at the same time like I definitely you know I'm not enrolled in martial arts right now I haven't done I mean I did a little bit of martial arts when I was a kid but nothing too serious I'd be interested in 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 taking up a class it's one it's making the time for it and two understanding that i'm in my mid-30s and i can't do what you know somebody in their, their teens or their 20s can can do and i'm not i wouldn't be looking to do this to get my face punched a bunch of times and to get my arm broken and all that kind of stuff i, I would love to learn the skills i would love to see how i can put them in practice without necessarily icing my arm for three days after that right so well, it's I mean, kind of finding that media. I mean, I, so probably saying I'm not looking to be competitive if I were looking to. Real, realistically, here's I'm I'm older, slower, and fatter than you. And <laughs> at the end of at the end of a of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, I'm um, so. For those who aren't familiar, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the gentle art of folding your opponent's laundry while he is still wearing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's everything. Everything is done in a safe environment. You're not. You are never in a place where your arm's going to get broken unless you're too stubborn to tap. And if you do, then that's frankly your problem and not your opponent's. Um, you you work for you you work at your level with other people that are at your level and theoretically about the same size, although size is less of a factor, frankly. Um, but it's there. There are a hundred ways to do it safely. As long as you check your ego at the door, and that is that's the that's the big one with any training, and it doesn't matter what you're training in, whether it's you know first aid or search and rescue or flying an airplane. If you don't check your ego, things are going to go badly for you. Yeah, and I mean honestly, uh, like the, a lot of these martial arts don't even have tournaments because they can't practically do a tournament when what they're training you to do is one thing, and you know like eye gouges and kicks to the groin don't work well in tournaments. <laughs> you know I mean? no. So yeah, no. it's like, uh, so when they actually talk about stuff like that, you, ju you just can't. So uh, there's actually less chance for injury. Like I think the wife and I did Krav Maga for three years and total, I think my wife got a broken toe once just because of an unfortunate sidestepping accident when they were trying to stop each other's toes and learn foot defense type of thing. And then uh, I got an unfortunate cup accident where the cut, uh, the cup that I was wearing and my, my, my loincloth there or whatever you want to call it unfortunately got a hold of the wrong thing slid sideways and caused a bunch of purple bruising everywhere so uh but that was just a bad fitting garment more than anything else so well, anyway. and Alan, I, I think you raise a good point because, um, like, but if anything, like, slow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. So afterwards, when you said, you know, walking into a class, I mean, I could be, you know, at thirty-seven, I walk into a class, and I could have a nineteen-year-old black belt instructor, right? Mm -hmm. And me thinking, you know, I'm wiser, older, you know, fatter, slower, and all kind of stuff. But thinking that, yeah, you do have to check your your ego at the door because, um, you know, this is somebody that obviously may be younger than you, maybe smaller than 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 you, but this is somebody who studied the sport that you really have to look up to as as a mentor right um same thing in our our jobs i mean you know you could have a 45 year old firefighter that reports to a 20 year old lieutenant or absolutely ian you can walk into a you know if, you know if if you're talking about aviation you can walk into a flight deck as a first officer and you've got a captain that's half your age right i mean you yeah. don't know their history that's the best part like, so whether it be martial arts or anything else you don't know where they came from so you can't really judge by what you see so yeah yeah. So nice. and that's yeah, that's the big thing is like, I, I've I've studied a few different arts over the years. You know, going back to when I was seven or eight, and then took a few years off, and then I did a couple of other things. I wrestled in high school. I did some judo. Um, any place where somebody had an ego, they got their ass beaten pretty badly because they felt there's no they, room for it. There's no well, that's it, and it's not not like. Not like they were targeted, just that it's it's an ineffective way to to train. Well, that's also it comes to the discipline thing. That's where you learn discipline yep. and uh, the hard way sometimes, right? Um, so, of 
I guess you haven't done many hues, but uh, Ali, so you tried a few. What's your favorite martial art that you found for like a practical prepping aspect? Oh, by far it's uh, it's jujitsu. So there are a couple of there are a couple of different kinds of jujitsu. The the traditional Japanese style um, involves uh, involves striking, um, kicks and punches and elbows. Um, Brazilian jujitsu, which is a little bit more prevalent in North America, um, is all grappling and joint locks. Mm. Um, either one. So the the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is what I, I currently study, has two kind of basic forms, which is gi and no gi. So of course the gi gives you, um, gives you a known pattern to grab, right? I know that there's a lapel here that I can take hold of. I know that there's a belt I can reach around and grab. Uh, the no gi, you're not grabbing clothes, you're just manipulating joints. And it's... Um, it's again, it's it's almost an entirely different, uh, entirely different art. Mm. It's uh, e- either one, I would say, are completely practical. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that there is no one complete style of martial art that will fit every situation. It's important. Yeah. Well, because striking arts, it's important to have grappling arts. It's important to have. Um, it's important to have you know Nike arts. But you know, with that being said, Alan, is there one discipline or martial art that that kind of is the a jack of all trades and master of none, so to speak? Like you, you get some grappling. I mean, are we talking about like kick, kickboxing, maybe? Or um, well, then you know, if, like- if for the, the, probably the Japanese or the traditional jujitsu would be the most complete of all of them because there's a grappling component. There's also a striking component. Yeah, I, I did uh, traditional Japanese jujitsu uh, probably for about a year, and uh, I thought it was yeah, it was pretty good overall. Um, but then Krav Maga. Krav Maga came along and I tried it on like a you know weekend you know try it for the day thing and I was hooked instantly just like that. So obviously that's my favorite um, Krav Maga because uh, yeah no tournaments uh, like I said the bread and butter of Krav Maga is kicks to the groin and actual real damaging stuff. So like I said no no tournaments allowed. But um, I do like it the fact that it worked for all sizes, ages, and genders. So my two daughters who are at the time were like seven and eleven or, or seven and nine I think at the time um, they went into it and loved it too and. Um, it it works like the, and so little... when you're talking about Krav, Krav Maga, so there's no tournaments. Is there like a ranking system, like or is it? It's a very work? very basic ranking system. It's basically uh, depends on which version of Krav Maga you do, but basically levels one through five. And uh, okay, uh, basically once you're beyond level one uh, into level two, you can actually start turning around and, and try and become an instructor for the level ones. It's just and you okay. can, it's very backwards compatible that way. Um, but the nice thing is not just kick strikes, uh, getting out of choke holds and stuff like that. It also taught knife defense and gun defense and stuff like that. Um, were they, was everything perfect? No, but they were always open to interpretation and improvement. So sometimes they would change their technique based on something better they had found. Okay. Um, so with, with that being said, if you're not really able to practice on someone, cause I, I mean, that, that's ah. what kind of that, I, I, I think in, in having looked at it before Krav Maga was definitely the one that I would like to learn and I think at the time there was really no instructors in Halifax so it's like Uh, you either learn on YouTube or you uh, travel to Montreal or something like that right so it's like how do you practice on somebody because I don't really think getting kicked in the groin repeatedly would be a great experience uh, but here's the best part so they actually had workarounds for that you were still doing your kicks and everything else and you were still like you weren't just stabbing there that's what he I hated about karate the most is you'd sit there and like yeah. punch air which would cause yeah. elbow elbow damage and it caused joint damage and everything else because you're basically trying to strike the air as hard as you can and, and stop yourself at the same time is a, is a problem so what Kravagawa would do is they take big pads they put them against your own chest and you'd have a guy just wailing on your chest as fast as he could and like as hard as he could with real punches so he was getting real punches in and we're getting the workout you were taking it and having to like tense up and, and take it as well so that's giving that's you a workout, workout. yeah yeah like you're getting beaten by three different dudes like for for 20 minutes on end yeah it's a workout and then of course uh for kicks and then you would actually hold a pad with like two handles on the side between your legs and guy, some guy would be trying to kick you as hard as he could in the junk and uh so they'd be aiming for your crotch but aiming for your throat really that's how hard they're trying to kick um it was actually pr- awesome. Yeah, but practical aspect and talk about being tired by the end of it. Sick, my internet starting to die off here just for give me one sec here. And, and yeah. that's the thing is, is you don't want a prolonged fight, right? I mean, and, no. and like I think I, I don't know if it was you, Alan, or Ian that mentioned at the beginning. It's like you know the best fight is the one that you don't get into. I mean, um, but so what they would do with the crop though is so they'd have like two or three guys around you all pushing you with these pads, and you'd have to push back, and you you weren't allowed to give up. They'd have a time. They wouldn't tell you how long you're doing it for. It would be a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and you would literally not allowed to give up, not allowed to stop, and so you'd go a lot further. Than you think you could 
yeah. and it's uh, teaching a lot of stuff. But here's the best thing. So after a while, I think the camera's coming back. So it was like the um, with a knife defense, they'd actually have you practice the technique against another guy with a rubber knife, right? So that if or a marker, that was the best part. You have a marker with a white T-shirt to see if he actually got sliced. And so you do this like hundreds of times, and finally. Uh, one day it came along and we were like level twos now. So the instructor took a, uh, said, okay, you guys happy with the knife defense? I was like, yep. Takes a real knife out, throws it on the ground between you and says, why don't you pick it up and do the same thing? He says, he's going to strike at you with this thing with a real knife. Now we're like, uh, he says, it's amazing how different it becomes when it's not a rubber knife, huh? <laughs> but he says, you've done the same thing correctly a hundred times. He says, I've got a blowout kit right there. He says, I've got bandages, everything else. If something were to happen, you're going to be fine. But the but, consequence it just became a lot realer, right? Yeah, and so now all of a sudden, for the first time, you see a knife being pointed at you isn't on the street. It's actually in the, in the studio. And that's what I loved about Krav is it became real, real fast. So as long as you could prove that you could do the technique, yeah, and they gave you some practical application and practical experience. So that's what I loved about it the most. Uh, but you had to prove that you could, like, you're doing the technique properly. That's so, really interesting. That's, yeah. Yeah. And so, But they also had a couple other, like, uh, I guess, try trial weekend courses as well as is doing crowd because we tried kali which was basically you start out with stick and knife fighting and then you work your way to punches when you become, after you become an expert with a knife and the stick which was okay. interesting it was, it was kind of backwards and then also uh kung fu just because you want to say i know kung fu but right <laughs> but honestly no uh crowd Magath, though uh they actually just opened a studio in nanaimo again which is funny because i haven't had a studio near me since i lived in barry and it shut down just before i moved there away from there so um it looks like they're opening a studio, and so far it doesn't look like regular classes, just law enforcement only, but uh, yeah. hoping he opens up a class. So. And the thing I was thinking, too, like if we go back to the beginning of, of talking about the, the whole martial arts thing is, um, you know, I never want to be in a position where I would have to use a skill because more often than not, when I'm, because I work from home and all that kind of stuff, when I'm, when I'm out and about, I probably have one, two, or three kids with me. And, you know, getting into a situation where I could get injured, meaning that if I lose the fight, now I've got possibly one, two, or three kids between the ages of two and six that are basically defenseless and I'm not there to protect them anymore, right? So never would I want to put myself in a position where I have to fight somebody with children or with my wife or anything like that. I'll always choose the option of, you know what, I'm I'm out. You know, like the whole fight or flight type type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one to be confrontational because I understand that if something happens to, to, to me, there could be three young children that are now at the mercy of whoever I fought, right? But so. I don't think any martial art teaches you to be confrontational. They always tell you to avoid the fight. So basically, if you are in a fight, it's it's for keepers this time. But the best part is if your children do know it, like the, the crowd my God thing, like my children are taught, like somebody picks you up and bear hugs you and tries to kidnap you and on top of the screaming that they're doing and everything else, they're basically told to like grab the side of his head, take their thumbs, put it in his eyes and peel him back like a Pez dispenser. Uh, because name me a big guy that isn't going to be affected by that. Right. <laughs> so point, yeah. literally yeah, everyone. So, yeah. So, also, where uh, the hair where the hair goes, the man goes, which is another reason to shave your head. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, you're you're just a trendsetter. You just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way out of things. Uh, yeah. So, as far as least favorites, I just want to talk about these quickly because I'm not as far as preparedness goes. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying that from a preparedness perspective and actual practical application, Taekwondo was in, invented as an exercise regime during the Korean War by a Korean general um, to get his troops exercise. It was never meant to be a defensive or aggressive martial art. That said, the last UFC, not the last UFC, the, there was a one recently, and the, 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 the fight was making its, the, the takedown was making its way around the, the internet. Um, dude kicked, kicked his opponent in the chest, um, opponent caught his leg, and it was a, a very, very much a Taekwondo kick. He like spun around, kicked the dude in the head, knocked him out, then landed on his feet somehow. I still don't know how it happened. But yeah. it, was very much, it was very much a Taekwondo kick, um, which was, but, you know, it was taekwondo, interesting. Taekwondo and karate, though, are tournament style, right? So basically, yeah. as soon as you score a point, you stop fighting, which is a horrible habit to get into. It's like, yes, I kicked him in the head. I can stop now. Woo! Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah no way. Yeah, you got to keep going. Actually, that's where Krav Maga teaches you to keep going, going, going until the threat's no, no longer there. Um, and that's what I think with the Taekwondo, it teaches you. It, it is like it's useful to, for tournaments and everything else, but it, it does not teach you actual fighting conditions. It does not teach you actually when not to stop and everything else. It's, it's very much a, I mean, there's nothing wrong with karate as far as like an exercise regime. But yeah, as far as 
real fights, eh, maybe not so much. Well, and, and as long as you, I'll, I'll, I'll counter that. As long as you, as long as you don't stop when you get the point, right? If you do, if you go like full Cobra Kai on him and you finish him off, <laughs> then finish him. Then, then karate is is absolutely a a practical uh, a practical method of defending yourself. Um, yeah. But you have to you have to be able to switch your tournament mindset to your this guy's going to kill me if I don't win mindset. Yeah, and that's that's a tough thing to overcome. It's just like uh, we were talking about my guys. We were doing the knife defense and uh, with the rubber knives, and after the knife defense, we had to switch up, and the other guy would attack, right? And we ended up handing each other the rubber knife, which we got hell for because basically in real life, what had happened is the guy that had learned Krav Maga did a successful knife defense, picked up the knife and handed it right back to the guy that. that <laughs> <laughs> because that's what he's used to doing during the the, the rehearsals in the studio. He had it right back to the guy that like originally was trying to stab him. The guy stabbed him for real and killed him. And it was caught on a video. And they're like, well, that's because that's all he was trained to do was just pick up a knife in hand and let the other guy have a turn. And as, as you train, so shall you fight. So yeah. if, that's, if that's what he's training to do, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah, so that's where the, the tournament style really comes to bite you in the behind. So, um, yeah, just if you guys want to know why I am the way I am, just uh, look at the video in the show notes link uh, for Ty Bo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy, Billy, Billy Blank. Billy Blanks. Oh Billy my Blanks, lord! Yeah. Back in the nineties, oh, uh, that was that. that was so horrible. So like basically, if you if you were gonna enter a fight, you're kind of like one, two, three, four. <laughs> I don't know that what they were thinking there, but anyway. Again, it's 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 exercise. You know, similar to Tai Chi and Taekwondo. Yeah. It's, it's exercise. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not a. It's not a combative sport. I just looked up the three closest martial arts school to me are all Taekwondo. Like oh, speaking like because a forty kilometer radius, they're all all Taekwondo. Because <laughs> it's 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 great with kids. It's a great exercise program and everything else. It is, but it's it's easy, it's easy to teach and easy to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at what's around here, and it's like Taekwondo, 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 Karate, Karate, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Do that one. You have that. Uh, a Kai Kai? A K-I-K-I-K? I can't pronounce that. Um, Aikido, maybe? No, it's A-I-K-I-K-A-I. Kai. I don't know. Never heard of it. We'll have to, Well, you pronounce it well, at least. Yeah. They can't even do that. So, but yeah, looking at that's really it for Halifax for where I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, lots of taekwondo, lots of karate, but yeah. I mean, uh, I do mention uh, judo from this perspective is the fact that if you want to get maybe a university scholarship and maybe go to the Olympics, that is an Olympic sport. So judo is a thing that would and get judo, you. Judo is also really great at messing up someone's arms. Like you, you, can, yeah. you can do some serious damage if you are proficient at judo. Um, it, it is it is a very real, uh, I mean, it, it, not dissimilar to wrestling. Uh, it's a very real um, way to lock up somebody's joints and take control of somebody while they are... Uh, um, while they are trying to attack you, and the the challenge I have with judo, and I, I studied it for a little while, is that there's a lot of lead into it, so that like you stop, you set yourself up, and then you perform your movement, and the movement is really effective, but there's not maybe I didn't maybe I just didn't stick with it for long enough, but there's there was there were definite pauses between the moves. Well, and again, once you've got somebody on the floor or you've scored a point, you have to stop and reset, which is yeah. You know, good exercise, bad practical. Um, if you do want to learn stuff off YouTube, you can always look up Master Ken of the Emeridote Discipline if you want to have a good laugh and learn what not to do. <laughs> it's, uh, if you guys have ever seen Master Ken stuff, it is awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, also, it's, we need to throw an honorable mention out there to a very small group of people that will recognize the concept of Rex Quando. <laughs> where, where, you, where, you win, where you win simply by showing up. <laughs> you got like an American flag set of sweatpants or something, though. Uh, well, they were parachute pants specifically, and that's uh, the, yeah. the, that. That was the winner there. Uh, um, anyways, most, most actually, people... I uh, I lied. I found a gym within about about ten kilometers from me that does Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So do that. Like that's so the the school that I'm at does both does both, and um, I'm not. I'm nowhere near capable of jumping into into Muay Thai. Um, that's like that is next level. And you better not le fitness learn, and 
Well, learn to hate your shins, basically, because yeah, uh, they try and toughen up your shins by basically rolling a, a stick up and down it and beating the crap out of it, so that you'd basically lose pain sensation in your shins in order to do it properly. That, do, that doesn't sound like fun <laughs> to me at all. So I no, mean, like, it is, it is, but it's another like, it's another noble. You you are in a fight. You will have all the tools in your in your hands and your legs to win that fight, um, but it hurts to learn. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the one guy that actually I worked with, he does Muay Thai quite a bit. The guy's just ripped. I mean, like it is so exercise. Yep. Absolutely, the guy is. Yeah, yeah. And when you're, you know, you're throwing punches with with you know 16 ounce gloves, it it certainly builds muscle faster. Yeah. And then, but yeah, you know, so much harder by the time you're when you're not wearing gloves. So, yeah, and if you're uh, protective services in the, uh, the military, the RCP or whatever, it's usually crap my guys what they're learning, but they also do a lot of uh, jujitsu because of the non-lethal takedown aspect of it as well, right? Yep. Right, so. which has a lot of grappling and wrestling in it, right? So Absolutely. Well, ev- all every the, fight, the, as they always the, say, oh, go ahead, so, yeah. all, all the use of force stuff that I ever learned, so MDTS, uh, like Monadnock, and um, PPCT, like pressure point control, and... Even even some of the ask like the, the the baton the baton like it all it's all jujitsu and judo underneath it with a different name with a different package and a different name. Basically, because every fight, no matter whether it's the drunken ball bar brawl at closing time or just like the average fight, always ends up on the ground. So if you if you know you're going to be on the ground, you might as well get used to to to, to flat crash around on there, right? For somebody who's watched a lot of MMA, you know, like if these two guys are standing up at the beginning of the fight, you know, striking. Um, is is obviously huge, but when the fight inevitably goes to the ground, is whoever has that grappling or that wrestling background that's going to yep. dominate the fight, right? Absolutely. So, and and you've got guys that are like, no, I'm just a striker. Um, I'm not going to let it get to, to the ground. And then the next thing you know, they just get dominated, right? So well, you, you can you can be a striker and you can be a really really excellent striker. I'm just going to come in and hug you as tight as I can. Go and you just can't land a strike on me. Now. That thing you have to be like Chuck Liddell, the Ice Man, and knock knock him out with the first punch. Otherwise, that's <laughs> yep. it. You know, that's, that's well. The longer the fight goes on, the higher chance of losing, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Ryan, uh, listener Ryan says, uh, for self defense, you'd be hard pressed to beat some boxing and wrestling. Wrestling, I would agree. Boxing, good exercise. But when they come up with rules like don't hit below the belt, and after two minutes, the round is over, and you have to separate, go to your corners. Not practical. <laughs> But if, you, if, you can win, if you can win the fight in two minutes, you're yeah. I think um, if you're a boxer, the the ability to throw a punch is just unbelievable, right? Or or dodge I mean, a dodge punch, I dodge mean. punch. I mean, yep. I mean, the thing is, is like, I mean, the the, the way most fights are probably going to start. If you think about your traditional bar fight, it's going to be a punch, right? Yeah. So if you have that ability to dodge a punch and have a one hit wonder with that right hook or that that left jab, or I, I don't know what it is, but that that could still be a huge advantage, right? Not knocking any of the sports. Absolutely. But, yeah. No, and, but, and boxing boxing is a great way to learn how to throw a punch and learn how to take a punch. Uh, and, and you can be really good at doing that. If you are a boxer and a wrestler at the and you you're you're good at both, then you're gonna be in a really good you're gonna be in a really good position. It comes back to what I said earlier. There's no one art that is all encompassing, right? Even Krav Maga, cool. If you can land if you can land that kick and you can you know make you know drop me to my knees, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna be able to create some space after that. Um, if I get closer if I get if I get close into you and I bear hug you and you can't land the kick and you can't get my eyes to eye gouge me, now we have to grapple. Oh no! We go to the washing machine, which I yeah. can tell you about later. <laughs> right, but it, but I mean, it, it's not like there's there's it's not. No one will no one will give you everything, um, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, boxing and wrestling combined, great. Um, Japanese jiu-jitsu is a lot of boxing and grappling and kickboxing all at the same time, um, but again, both of those are sports. Wrestling and boxing are both sports, um, and they are intended to have a set of rules with somebody mediating. You're both playing by the same set of rules, and there's a penalty for not following those rules. Well, and if the guy's getting like the crap kicked out of him, and the, the re- you know the referee says, "Oh, back it up or break it up, break it up," and use him a ten count or whatever, that's not happening in real life, right? Like, nope. if, right. 
you know, somebody's going to keep pummeling you after. And at the same time, you made a good point, Alan, that if you look at some of the most successful uh, fighters in the MMA as an example, um, like talking about UFC and all that kind of stuff, a lot of them have mixed disciplines, mixed backgrounds, right? So there, some will do kickboxing and grappling and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's that ability to combine those different arts yep. and kind of pull the best of each one of these arts that they've learned. Um, and really, you know, like somebody could be kickboxer and, and, and a grappler and just be able to dominate the sport, right? So... Yep. And, and if it's, yeah. And all of those things are good as long as you practice it, right? As long as you train on it. And the more, if the, to say, you know, just, I, 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 you know, I can say that I, you know, I did Okinawan karate when I was a kid and I could probably remember a few of those, um, a few of those specific movements. Would I, would I default to that in a fight? I mean, I've I've had to go hands-on with more than one person in my life. I was a bouncer for a while. I worked in security forever. Um, no, I always I always ended up grappling because that's just the, the situation that I found myself in. I wouldn't go that far. I'll just hit you with my truck, you know? <laughs> that's <laughs> the easiest thing, right? Until you're inside a bar, right? Yeah. You're in can't a truck, you drive away, and you don't have to worry about it. Then you don't have to just wash blood off your vehicle. Can't dodge it, ram it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I see one thing I didn't put in the show notes too, but we should probably t- touch on too, is there's always the, the legal ramifications too, of, you know, being the aggressor versus the uh, the defender and everything else and, you know, throwing the first punch, all that other stuff. So, the I mean, criminal code of Canada is exceptionally clear about this. Yeah. You have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to use all reasonable and necessary force to defend yourself. You are also criminally responsible for any excessive use of that force. And that's and the key is the excessive one- use, right? Yep. I mean, if, if you were to strike somebody, they fall back, hit their head and die, and you're before a judge, could they say, well, you're a striker, you're you're a mixed martial art artist? I mean, obviously, that's excessive force, right? So that's... Well, well yes, it, yes and no. Yes, so no. Like, it, ha- it happened in London. The guy's, the guy's still in jail for it. It was a bar fight. Um, <laughs> dude, you know, they, it, it ended up out on the street. Guy turned around, took a punch in the face. Or he took a punch in the face, turned around, punched the guy back. The guy fell backwards, hit his head on the curb, and died. And yeah. he went down for second degree murder. But here's the interesting thing too: so if you if you strike a guy and, and you're in a defensive situation, you strike a guy, he goes down on the ground. Okay, and that's where you walk it away and you, you remove the threat. And hopefully, there's none of his buddies you know, coming at you from the side because when there's one a hole, there's usually two. Um, it's one thing if you, if you just leave it there, but it's another thing if you go back and curb stomp the guy and break his neck. Intentionally. That, that's just like one step way too far. So, yeah, I mean, that's where Wait, the criminal code on. comes into play. I've got to make notes here. I've got to make notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah, the one to write down is when there's one asshole, there's two. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> well, that's, that's the one plus one rule. Anytime you find yeah. one, one idiot, you find two idiots. Anytime you oh. find one weapon, you find two weapons. Yeah, and that's, that's where the thing is. When you break off the fight, no matter what discipline it is, Take a look to your sides, maybe even behind you and everything else, because I guarantee one of his buddies, girlfriend, whatever, is going to want to get some revenge for you just like finishing the fight. So, the Nike defense, 50 feet. Yeah. You, you back up, and then you've disengaged the threat. You're no longer, it's no, you no longer, you're no longer required to apply force to overcome a, to overcome a threat. And a lot of that is how you articulate it as well. But that's that's an entirely different thing. I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not going to say it anymore. I don't, don't even play one on the internet. <laughs> every every once in a while I'm right but uh, a lot of it's how you articulate what you did uh, yeah. but if you want to learn about uh, uh, martial arts defense I'm sure Ian Runkle at some point uh, uh, Runkle of the Bailey YouTube he's going to have a, a thing on Canadian defense laws on that stuff so he's, uh, he's been covering off a lot of good stuff there okay. um, yeah uh, anything else guys that's everything I've got All right. no, Pod- good. podcast challenge time Podcast challenge for this week, find a Try It For Free intro class at a local martial arts studio. Usually they will let you attend the class for free, see if it's a good fit for you. That may be challenging depending on where you are. Um, Darren makes a good point in the um, uh, in the show in the live chat that karate schools are allowed to stay open while gyms have had to close their doors. That's true in some places. Um, the Middlesex London Health Unit, for example, has enacted rules that said that you cannot have more than 10 people. Everybody has to be at least three meters apart. Um, and you can't train a contact sport if you can't make contact. Um, so a lot of the cl- a lot of the schools in, in the London area have closed uh, as a rule, um, or as a, as a you know as a blanket for the next you know that was two weeks ago for another two weeks. So um, yeah, find a try for free. Uh, most places will let you try a couple of classes and see what um, 
see what and see what you like. Um, and don't don't be afraid to try more than one. I mean, even though we've said, you know, taekwondo and karate are awful for practical defense. If you like it, go for it. Yeah, enjoy no. it. And don't don't let don't let a couple of guys on the internet tell you you're wrong. Not only that, but yeah, it's like doing karate is still better than doing nothing. Absolutely. It's like, and actually, kind of funny because one of my Krav Maga instructors, one guy was uh, RCMP Protective Services guy, the other guy was just like a a martial arts junkie, and he'd already gotten his black belt in karate, second degree in uh, second degree black belt in karate, black belt in taekwondo. He had done some jujitsu and all this other stuff. So, like, yeah, he had tried them all. So, like, I mean, the the fact is that, yeah, it might just be part of your journey that you just try it. Get, your, get whatever belt and move on. So yeah, but and anything anything you do is better than nothing. Anything yeah. you learn is better than nothing. Uh, I will caution though if you are um, if you are following um, things that you are seeing on YouTube, you may not be seeing a real world situation. There's a lot of there's a lot of BS out there on the internet. Um, find out who the legitimate people are and follow their channels as opposed yeah. to um, as opposed to uh, guys like uh, Master Ken, you know? <laughs> oh, and Darren makes up a good point there too. Uh, just do it for fun. Do it for your health, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. At the, at the very least. So It's, it's, a, it's a good time. I, I, I'm in a position in my life where the, the odds of me ever needing to go hands-on with someone again are are pretty close to zero. Um I'll fight you, Alan. Okay. Oh. Cool. <laughs> let's do it. We'll, we'll meet Montreal. It's halfway between. So yeah. let's, let's yeah. do a charity fundraiser. Here we go. Fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a charity we'll boxing match. <laughs> uh, but I. But it's. But it's fun, and I enjoy it. And um, that's that's what's re- that's what's really key in the end, right? It, it's it's a good time, um, and it's a great way to stay. In, it's a great way to stay in shape and meet people who are usually pretty cool. And the, the good ones don't have an ego, and that's I, I found that. Uh, I'll shout out my school. The guys, the guys there, you know, Steve and Steve and Yusuf and uh, and Jeff. Like they're these are these are guys. Like you know, when they're teaching you something, like I'm on my I'm on my back and like my finger hurts for some reason, and they've gone about half a percent of their capability on me. And I mean, Steve's about 150 pounds. You can fit like two and a half of him inside of me, and. Like there's not a chance that I can. There's not a chance that I can. I can attack any one of his limbs at any given moment. Um, but there's absolutely no ego involved with it, and it's mm-hmm. it's great. Like everybody is, you know. I was I was rolling with a with a brown belt, right? I'm you know I'm a three week you know six weekend white belt rolling with a brown belt, and I managed to do something that I pulled out from my memory from something that I did 20 years ago, and he's like, hey, that was really cool. Can you show me how you, how you did that? It's not like, oh, you're just a white belt. You can't teach me anything. Everybody's there to learn, and everybody's there to learn from everyone. And everybody's unique experiences lend to everyone getting better. So I, I enjoyed that. I enjoy that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. All right, upcoming events: uh, BC Sportsman Show, so March fifth to seventh, twenty twenty-one. Uh, link in the show notes as well. It's going to be in Abbotsford, BC. Uh, it's one of the few things we have to look forward to at this point. Cool. Um, Go check out um, shop.firearmsrights.ca. That's the CCFR 2021 Gunny Girl calendar. It is now for sale, and that's uh, um, it's always a good time. Well, it's a fundraiser, and you can win fundraiser. stuff. Yep, and, and it, it, gives, it gives you an opportunity to win things, and it's it's uh, it's a fundraiser for the for the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Uh, oh, actually, uh, it's women's sports. It's uh, women's shooting it's sports, sports too. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. So they directed they directed elsewhere or to, to the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all really good things, and because um, this is under the same tab for me, uh, if you want an event advertised, if there's if there's actually an event happening out there somewhere in the world. And you want it advertised? Let us know. Feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. We will gladly get your information out to the world. Right. And when I say the world, I mean like the thirty-three people that listen to us. <laughs> the, 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 the tens of people that listen. Yeah. Um, all right. Shout outs, uh, Alvin. You got anybody? Um, I'll shout out Steve and Jane at uh, Submission Academy in London. They're good people. All right. Fair enough. Uh, oh, my! I guess I should show up my old uh, Krav Maga instructors, Alex and uh, Dave. But uh, yeah, I wish they were still teaching. Anyway, uh, also I want to give a shout out to uh, Glenn Tate for the uh, Prepping 2.0 podcast. Always a good podcast, and uh, like I said, hopefully one day we'll be able to talk to him again. Yeah, That'd be great. That was a great time. Yeah, uh, when was that? That was Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. 
shameless plug for the Amazon link. So if you follow the Amazon link in the show notes, don't have to buy what's there, but just uh, shop from that point onwards and anything you buy will get a little bit of kickback for or help uh, sponsor the show in a roundabout kind of way. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Uh, no email and iTunes reviews. So I guess that's it. Uh, I'm going to bring episode 93 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. Helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. It'll give you an alert when we're going live. Facebook has a similar has a similar thing, also Canadian Prepper Podcast. Uh, if you want to find me directly, uh, you can get me at Alan, with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. And for myself, I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com. I also have my own YouTube channel. Just search hfxprepper, where I expect to be putting up videos of tool reviews soon. No kidding. I was going to say, I was going to suggest that. I was like, direct tool reviews. Come on. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So you can reach me directly by emailing me at the westernretreat at gmail.com. Um, you can also find my Canadian Patriot podcast on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes you want to practice my Ameridote as well as my five-finger death punch. Uh, before we before we sign off here, um, Brad Taylor in the uh, Facebook comments was asking where the show notes are. Uh, when we publish this on Spotify, iTunes, blah, 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 the show notes are attached in there. Oh, they're also on the YouTube here. Uh, basically, about 10 minutes after we uh, the, cease the video, basically, it, it allows me to go back in, then I add the show notes afterwards uh, to the YouTube description where it basically says show more under the YouTube video. Just click on that, you'll see all the links. So that's that's where they are. And uh, we really appreciate the comments, Brad. And if you're new at this, thank you for joining us. We really hope you enjoy it. And uh, shoot us an email, let us know what you like. Yeah, for sure. On that note, thanks for joining us. Uh, Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. 